Deep dive into the world of science with Nature Plus. From the vastness of the distant star systems to the intricacies of infectious diseases due to climate change, we've got you covered. Enjoy access to over 55 cutting-edge journals, breaking scientific news, and over a 1,000 new articles every month. Whether you're a seasoned researcher or just curious, Nature Plus simplifies complex studies. Plus, it's all available right at your fingertips on nature.com. Nature Plus, the key to unlocking the world's most significant scientific advances. Subscribe today at go.nature.com slash plus. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, world leaders are announcing a series of pledges to protect and sustainably use the world's oceans. The pledges form the crowning achievement of the High-Level Panel for a Sustainable Ocean Economy, a multinational group formed back in 2018. The panel has sought to bring together research published in a number of so-called blue papers and special reports by scientists, policy and legal experts from around the world, all with the ear of the 14 participating world leaders. Erna Solberg, the Prime Minister of Norway, co-led the panel. In this podcast, she speaks with Springer Nature's Editor-in-Chief, Sir Philip Campbell, about the panel's work. A warm welcome to the Nature Podcast, Prime Minister, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you for inviting me. We're here to talk about the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy that you and the President of Palau have been leading. I think it's a landmark event, actually, in our thinking about the oceans, Before we get to the high-level panel, I thought I'd ask a personal question, which is, what do the oceans mean to you uh, personally and as Prime Minister? Well, I come from the west coast of Norway, the city of Bergen, which is founded on its closeness to the ocean. It's uh, the capital for maritime and marine activities for centuries. And and when you're born here, I mean, fisheries, uh, maritime sector is a part of your And of course, I was a swimmer when I was young. We were fishing in the fjords and in the ocean. I think we have this very closeness to to the ocean. And I think as Prime Minister, I'm very aware that a large part of Norwegian gross national product is based on oceans. A huge amount of jobs is based on the oceans. And Norway's history is about oceans. So there came a point where you and others set up this high-level panel. I wondered if you'd like to just tell us a bit more about what particular opportunity or problem led you to do that. Do tell us about the origins. Well, the origins comes out of, I would say, two different angles. One of them is I'm also co-chairing the Secretary General Sustainable Development Goals Advocacy Group. And one of the goals, of course, is goal number 14, a life below, a life in the sea. And from that perspective, we saw that there was a lot of activity, but it was not connected. This also brings in this need for us to start to work to find a platform to tackle the challenges, but also the solutions the oceans can bring to a lot of the global issues and trying to form an alliance with other large ocean-based countries to get a platform for the world to work together was important. So out of the outcomes of the high-level panel, 
I mean, you're making pledges this week as a result of it. What are the outcomes, which I assume are reflected in your pledges, that you most want to pursue from a Norwegian context and also from an international context? We have to manage the interconnectedness of all of the issues around the ocean, meaning that we have to combat illegal fisheries, pollution of the oceans, plastic in the oceans, but also the aspects of your own industries into the oceans. And I think oceans can really give us a lot of the solutions. One of the things I've seen, of course, is uh, how much of a solution, clean and sustainable use of oceans can be to climate change. But underneath that, of course, there's a lot of different individual issues that you have to handle. I'd like just to turn to a key element of the high-level panel initiative, which was the appointment of researchers from many countries to put together overviews of the state of the oceans from many different aspects, whether it's to do with equity, whether it's to do with investment, whether it's to do with uh, ecosystems. These documents that they produced on their website, the blue papers as they call them, were specifically intended to influence policymakers and other stakeholders. So I'm interested to get your perspective about how successful that was, you know, how good were the academics, if you like, from your point of view. Um, but of course, more importantly, to what extent did you find things from what they did that perhaps you hadn't expected? To what extent have they done things that particularly influence you? Well, first of all, I think it's important to have policies that are based on science, facts, and I'd say one area that I think is important, two facts I would say. The one is the ocean's impact on climate change, both mm -hmm. the negative impact that the deterioration can have, but also the solutions. If we have sustainable ocean management, it can help us with nearly 20% of the emissions targets that we have. I think that increases the knowledge also for all of those who are into and working hard for climate change. The ocean work is part of the solution. The second thing I think is that if we manage our fishery stocks better, fish can become a larger part of our diet in the future. It's healthier, it's better for us, has a less climate a footprint, but we need to manage the stocks more sustainably and then we can increase harvest in the long run because a lot of people think we cannot fish anymore. We will have to reduce it. No, if we give it a little bit of time to grow up the fish stocks, then we will be able to increase wild catch also in the future. And I think that's an interesting part. Let me ask you a double-edged question. So you were talking about the oceans as a help to solve the climate problems and to mitigate climate change. And it'd be good to hear a little bit more, particularly from a Norwegian perspective, about what particular measures that would involve from your point of view. But the double edge comes because, of course, Norway is, as the rest of the world sees it anyway, you know, a strong leader in providing fossil fuels and has a dependence on fossil fuels for its economy. And so there is a question as to whether you have a credibility problem simply from that fact. There is always a dilemma if you're an oil and gas producing country. So if you look at the principle of the Paris Accord, you have to deal with the CO2 emissions where they Right. So we are dealing with the emissions from production, but the use of the oil and gas have to be reduced in the countries that are using the oil and gas that we are producing. What we see, of course, is long term, there will be a shift in energy production that goes faster than most people saw. The renewables are increasing. Natural gases in the midterm period, I think also part of a solution because 
It has half the emissions of coal. It can be a stabilizer where you have renewables that are dependent on the sun and the wind. And then, of course, what we are really doing in Norway is trying to promote a shift to not using fossil fuels in the areas where we still are using a lot of them. For example, Norway has been a leader on electrical cars. We are working on hydrogen now. When we have the CCS, the carbon capture and storage system that we are now launching, we will also be able to have a clean, non-emission hydrogen from natural gas in the future. So we are trying to do our part in that. But of course, there are dilemmas to it. But we have to stick to the principles of the Paris Agreement. And thats it's not the car producer who is the problem. It's the car use that is emitting. It's not the oil producing country that is the problem. It's the use of the oil that is as long as we are targeting our emissions. So if you um, look at what Norway itself has to do as a country, I mean, taking everything into account to meet the Paris goal of 1.5 degrees, how far along the track do you think you are to that? Everything you've talked about sounds very positive, and it is very positive. Yeah. But the totality of the picture and Paris, I'm just interested to get your sense of the discrepancy. This depends, of course, a lot on the technology. We are managing on our uh, non-ETS sector. We have a national responsibility in Norway to deal with that, meaning that transportation, agriculture, activities that is not in the trading system in Europe is on a national basis. Inside the trading system, where most of our industry and the oil and gas industry is part of the European system. So... We are trying to put a lot of emphasis on innovation and change in that industry, making them cleaner. But the overall target is the European target, which Norway is a part of for our international competitive industries. We are putting forward a white paper around Christmas time on how to reach the Paris targets and the agreement that we have. We think it's possible that we will manage to cut our emissions by what is needed and at the same time have economic development. Because what we've seen the last five years is that the emissions goes down, the economic development until COVID-19 has gone up. And uh, I think we are on the right track, but it's going to be tough. Coming back to the pledges, you have this week 14 heads of state as a result of a high-level panel effort making pledges. They are very varied and particular to their countries. If I talk to, as I have, to policymakers within the UN and within some countries about these pledges and pledges generally, there's a certain weariness about the fact that so many pledges have been made in history that weren't fulfilled. And then the key question is, how do we monitor, how do you as a national leader monitor and document the fulfillment of these pledges? And I'm certainly interested in your answer to that. But I'm also interested, given that this is a notable achievement, and these policymakers do see this as a notable achievement, this high-level panel, also how can these 14 heads of state influence others to make similar pledges? One of the things is uh, to make sure that countries understand that this is about making sure that we can have economic growth and jobs in the future, that we have to run things sustainably. We have to work with nature, not against nature, to make sure that you have jobs and opportunities in the future. I think that's the most important part to say because that's where it usually is difficult. It's the transformation is difficult, but if you can really understand that this transformation gives you new jobs, new economic developments, and a more prosperous country, I think it's important. I think that story is important for those who go first to show 
to the other countries. Yes, I agree with you that there are most money pledges and policy pledges that are not fulfilled. And there might be difference in political culture on these issues between different countries. One of the things that I'm looking forward to, and I think we will have this week too, is quite good announcement on monitoring sustainability of the oceans and policies, because we know that both the World Economic Forum and other big companies are working together to make sure that we can also monitor it. In these days, I think the data we have about oceans should even become more bigger and larger in the future. We'll also say that, well, you had this pledge, why aren't you following up? And I think we need that on oceans, we need that on climate. And I think we are living in a world where it's easier to monitor because we have big data. We have a lot of information that we can use. But a politician that not always follows up on his promises, that would not be the first period in the <laughs> time period we would be in. It's always difficult, you know, if you only have realistic promises that you know exactly how you will fulfill, you will not be ambitious enough. So um, hopefully the combination of political pressure, people's engagement for the oceans and better monitoring will make sure that people are following up on their patches. So all of that will help answer my second question, which was about how 14 heads of state can influence others. But are there going to be specific initiatives that will allow this particular initiative to influence those other heads of state? But what we are doing is, of course, we are working on how can we, together with the World Bank, make sure that we are helping countries that have not the same type of administrative resources or basis to push forward on that. And we hope that we will make also a political alliances that we will push when we next year at some times will be able to meet again and have this ocean conference that we were supposed to have this year. And then, of course, we have large initiatives on single issues like, for example, plastic. You mentioned the Ocean Summit next year. We also have summits on biodiversity, on climate change, on food systems and on nutrition, and no doubt others, but those stand out, I think, at the UN level. I think in the article you wrote in Nature this week, you mentioned that the oceans haven't really had sufficient attention, but perhaps you'd like to elaborate on that, given these meetings coming up. Do you think naturally now, partly because of this effort, the oceans will get to your attention, or do you think you and others need to make a big effort to try and get them integrated into those meetings? Well, I think it's important that we are not discussing climate one day, nature next day, food security the third day, and not understand that all of these are interlinked. And ocean is the basis for this interlinking. We know that you should have more protein from the oceans. We know that fishery resources are depleted, but it can be sustainably managed. It can be part of more of the protein of people in the future. So it's part of the food solution if we can manage this better. It's part biodiversity. I mean, not using the small micro things that are, in fact, the basis for everything that is in the oceans. It's part of biodiversity to make sure that we are taking care of the balance in the ocean. So I think, like climate, oceans is sort of a crossover all of these issues issue. You know, it's yeah. part of the solution on all of these areas. And it will be part of the problem all of these areas if we don't manage it wisely. So let me ask my final question, which is some of the issues that have been thrown up here in thinking about the oceans is public knowledge and awareness, uh, education about the oceans, having knowledge out there, not just data for scientists, but for, for everybody. So whether from an educational point of view or from a data point of view, are there specific initiatives you would want to 
push and highlight that are coming up that might need the support of researchers and universities, for example? Well, I think we need to increase our knowledge base and all of that. But I think if you want to have popular support for this, you have to bring up the emotions. And maybe that's a bit unscientific to do. But I mean, what was really moving the plastic issues five years ago? In outside Bergen, where I come from, we had this large whale that was stranded. It had suffocated because of the plastic in its stomach. It's now in a restored natural museum in my city. People are coming, seeing it. You know, it's part of the education and it brings forward the emotion. We don't always know Norwegians because we are a whale hunting country originally. <laughs> All the emotions about the whales, but it's a strong issue. And it's important to remember that the largest part of the world's population live close by an ocean. That's their livelihood too. And bringing that into the agenda is important. What we would try to do is, of course, pushing this both on the popular part and the educational part in part of talking about sustainable development and, of course, highlighting sustainable development goal number 14. Prime Minister, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I think this week, as the policymakers I've spoken to say, is a landmark in thinking about the oceans and humanity's relationship with them. And I wish you every success in all the advocacy and action you have ahead of you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Deep dive into the world of science with Nature Plus. From the vastness of the distant star systems to the intricacies of infectious diseases due to climate change, we've got you covered. Enjoy access to over 55 cutting-edge journals, breaking scientific news, and over a 1,000 new articles every month. Whether you're a seasoned researcher or just curious, Nature Plus simplifies complex studies. Plus, it's all available right at your fingertips on nature.com. Nature Plus, the key to unlocking the world's most significant scientific advances. Subscribe today at go.nature.com slash plus. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.